On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we'll talk to comic book artists Franco and Art Baltazar, better known collectively as All Yeah Comics, about their all-ages work for DC and Dark Horse. And if you're looking for ways to physically lose yourself in the galaxy far, far away, I'll tell you all about the Star Wars offerings at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida. And I'll do so with the help of an 11-year-old guest commentator. Now, straight from the editorial department of the Daily Planet, this is 1.21 Gigawatts. Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number two for February 2016. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that I think are cool and noteworthy and should be celebrated. I'm referring to movies, TV, comics, games, theme parks, and more. What else should be on that list? You tell me. Music? GIFs? Skywriting? If all that sounds good to you, you're in the right place. And I intend to do that not only by bringing you interviews with the creators of said nerdly awesomeness, but also with a series of rotating segments and features that take a deep dive into a specific geeky topic. I'm sure I don't need to tell you that the planet has once again embraced the Star Wars saga thanks to the massive success of Star Wars The Force Awakens. Perhaps you've seen it. Probably two or three times. Many fans are looking forward to celebrating this renewed fandom in person by immersing themselves in the announced theme park editions at the Disney parks, which will open in a few years. But did you know that there is already enough Star Wars goodness at Disney to fill a space cruiser? Granted, 65% of that is BB-8 merchandise, but you get the idea. In late November 2015, just weeks before The Force Awakened, I believe the Force was still snoozing in one of those fancy Pottery Barn Millennium Falcon beds, I enjoyed a family vacation at Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And after a day at Disney's Hollywood Studios theme park, my 11-year-old son, Scott, joined me to break down all the Star Wars awesomeness we saw at the park. And I can almost guarantee that even without a dedicated Star Wars land, it's already much more activity than you're probably aware. When the Walt Disney Company acquired Lucasfilm a few years ago for four the billion with a B dollars, everyone wondered if that was a good investment, how quickly would they make their money back? Well, I can tell you as someone who just spent the day at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Orlando, Florida, that they are working really hard to put Star Wars everywhere and recoup that investment. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about our adventures today, which included... I knew we were going to see a lot of Star Wars, but we saw way more even than we expected. And someone can back me up on that. It's my son, Scott. Hello. So, uh, Scott, as we go along, let's talk about all the things that we saw at Disney. Earlier, we actually started our day uh, with something that we didn't think was really going to be that Star Wars related. It was the great movie ride, which, of course, is sort of a, a little celebration of movie history and great moments in uh, cinema. Uh, and at the end of that ride, there is a montage of movies that has all sorts of things, you know, and, and even in previous versions of this, it included a little bit of Star Wars, a jump to hyperspace and some John Williams music. But today there was way more in this new rejuvenated version of the great movie ride. Do you remember the clips that we saw? Um, yes, some of them. It was from the New Hope at the award ceremony at the end. There was a clip from the new Force Awakens trailer of the Millennium Falcon doing a corkscrew. And 
There are some other ones there too, but I don't remember them currently. Well, and I think the really interesting thing and the one to take away probably is that in a montage of the greatest movie moments of all time and the classics already, they have put The Force Awakens in this from uh, that shot from the initial teaser trailer. It's there and uh, it made a big impact. And I can say, since this movie isn't out yet, it looks pretty darn good on a big screen, doesn't it? And it's definitely a classic too. Uh-huh, there we go. Even if it's not released, it's still a classic. Who cares if it's not released? So we, moving on from there, we got to the legit Star Wars stuff that we knew was going to be there. And uh, first and foremost, of course, is Star Tours, which uh, has been in Disney parks for a long time, but then got rejuvenated in 2011 with... Uh, sort of the 2.0 version which would feature uh, randomized visits to multiple planets. It wasn't just the same track every single time. You had the opportunity on one ride to maybe go to Hoth and Coruscant and then the next time maybe you're going to go to two different planets. And also the new host for the ride was C-3PO before it was a robot named Rex. Maybe you can tell us more about that, Dad. Well, maybe I can. Well, that wasn't, it wasn't, nice setup. That wasn't Captain Rex from the Clone Wars. Rex was a um, robot who, of course, it was his first time flying or something along the narrative. And he was voiced by Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, uh, <laughs> and sounded very robotic, as opposed to C-3PO, who is now doing a similarly terrible job of flying a star speeder through space to various galactic ports of call. So one of the cool things, like I said about this, is randomized planets. And lo and behold, one planet that you might visit during your journeys is... At the beginning, there was Jakku as an option, flying through the crash to star destroyers in the wastes. That's right, and being pursued by TIE fighters, I think, through that. So very similar to what we've seen in the trailers. I believe so. And also a cameo of some scavengers. Definitely lots of scavengers on Jakku. That's right, That which is interesting. I wonder if that's going to be the case in the movie. We saw a bunch of scavengers sort of sifting through the remains of the Star Destroyer or Super Star Destroyer on the planet Jakku. And the not only do you visit Jakku and fly around, but as has always been the case in Star Tours, there's a secondary side screen, which is usually some pilot, some transmission breaking in to say something to the effect of, Star Tours, what are you doing here? Um, in the original version, it was an X-Wing pilot. And in the case of visiting Jakku, we got a little visit uh, on the side screen from... Finn! Yeah, they actually shot some new footage with John Boyega. He pops up in Star Tours, which is uh, kind of amazing. It was yes. a really nice preview. Um, and uh, from there, do you remember where our journey took us in the ride? Um, from there, we got a transmission from BB-8 oh, asking cool. us to help us on his mission. But soon, we jumped into hyperspace to above Coruscant in a battle... Um, uh, I, I don't know how to explain it. Well, it, it looked very much like the beginning of Episode 3, sort of like the Battle of Coruscant oh, with yeah. a lot of um, Trade Federation things. ships uh, taking on, or Separatist ships taking on Republic ships and all kinds of mess above the skies and then launching into a, uh, a chase through the traffic patterns of Coruscant. 
It's a great ride if you've never been on this ride. For crying out loud, get to Florida quickly. And they've shot a little new, a little bit of new footage also for the pre-show video. If you are a regular and you think you've memorized it, I can tell you that within the last two years or so, it has changed. Um, so moving on from there, um, frequent guests to Disney's Hollywood Studios know that that ride dumps out into a gift shop called Tatooine Traders which is always very busy. You can build your own droid, you can build your own lightsaber, you can wardrobe yourself and your family in all manners of Star Wars outfits and toys and helmets, etc. Um, I think building lightsaber is new also, is it? No, I think it's been there for a while. Although, you know what? I've never seen a line like today. People were lining up out the door to build their own lightsaber. Yep. Yep. And... So we thought, oh, all right, well, we've seen it. This is what it is. This is what Hollywood Studios always has. Oh, no. Oh, no, my friends. There is a secondary store there called Watto's Grotto across the park, which, uh, and I will plead some ignorance on this one, may be a holdover from Star Wars Weekends, which I've not been to in a long time. Uh, but it is really big. Tatooine Traders wishes it was as big as Watto's Grotto because it's basically two very large rooms Again, chock full of Star Wars merchandise um, with an emphasis on clothing in this case. Uh, perhaps today particularly because lo and behold, following the Thanksgiving holiday, this weekend had a meet and greet, um, get your autograph signed or, or get your autograph signed, get an autograph from... Ashley Eckstein. I mean, Ashley Eckstein. Sorry. The voice of Ahsoka Tano from The Clone Wars. That's right. Ashley Eckstein was present signing and selling uh, items from her clothing line, Her Universe, which of course specializes in Star Wars clothes for women. A lot of amazing stuff. And there she was. She was appearing yesterday and appearing today for two hours. And she had a long line of people that wanted to see her, much to Scott's chagrin. I really wanted to meet her, but we didn't have time. She's a popular lady. What can we say? But that was very cool just to be able to see her in action and the fact that she was there at all. Um, and you know what? I will take this moment to say that uh, as you walk around the Disney parks, and we're here on a family vacation, we've been here for a few days, aside from Disney shirts, hands down, what I am seeing more people wearing than anything else on T-shirts is Star Wars. Would you agree with that? Probably, Yes. Yes. I mean, if we were seeing people wearing sports shirts, I would say all the sports teams, baseball, football, college, sports, everything, combined would not compare to the amount of Star Wars shirts I've seen people wearing. It's amazing. I do believe so. Yeah. Yeah, sure. they are they are everywhere. So again, just as we thought, all right, well, that's probably done. Well, needless to say, because we are closing in on the release date of Star Wars: The Force Awakens, the merchandise is everywhere, everywhere at Disney World right now. Uh, you see it in every single park. Um, even where it doesn't seem like it makes sense. At Hollywood Studios, sure, you see it. At Magic Kingdom, yeah, okay. Animal Kingdom, you bet it's there. <laughs> what it has to do with Animal Kingdom, I don't know, but it's but it's there. It was? It was. I saw it in some yeah. stores. And yeah. at uh, the uh, newly rechristened Disney Springs Shopping Center, also every place, a gigantic 
uh, presents from Force Awakens um, merchandise. And of course, there's also gigantic posters. It's Hollywood Studios, so they've got, uh, in the style of a functional movie studio, really, really big posters up on top of sound stages. I, heard, I first noticed the posters in the Tower of Terror, two giant posters next to each other. This kid's got eagle eyes, I tell you. He's on the Tower of Terror, he's plummeting to his death, and yet he still notices the Star Wars posters across <laughs> the park from 13 stories up. I like it. I like it. Good work. And then finally, we got to the end of the day and thought, well, certainly that's it. No, there's still more. Uh, because in what used to be, or is maybe currently known as the animation courtyard at Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, the animation building is defunct. There is no more visiting through there, but it looks like it is being replaced by something called Star Wars Launch Bay. The signage is gigantic, uh, including a big red banner above the logo, which... Um, Interestingly, is the first time that I've seen this logo in action. Do you know where I'm going with this? Do you remember what it was? Yeah. What is it, it was the new First Order symbol. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. So no Imperial Cog, no Rebel Alliance insignia. It was the First Order um, hanging on a giant banner up there. So folks in the know who are paying attention might notice that, but uh, the rest of the world will see it soon. Sadly, Star Wars Launch Bay opens in Florida in December 2015. We have missed it by at least two days. Darn it. But that just gives us incentive to come back again in the near future, doesn't it? I think just one day. I think it opens on the day we're leaving. All right, way to rub it in, man. Oh, alas. Well, that force will be with some future guests who come in just a couple more days later than us. Nonetheless, that is the situation from Star Wars down at the Walt Disney World Resort as of late November 2015. May the force be with y'all. Now, in the few short months since Scott and I recorded that detailed analysis, the Star Wars presence at Disney's Hollywood Studios has continued to blow up. In addition to everything we mentioned, the Jedi Training Academy has reopened with a larger stage than before, and a new subtitle, Trials of the Temple. This attraction gives younger guests the opportunity to learn some Jedi moves and take on Darth Vader or the Seventh Sister Inquisitor character from the Disney XD series Star Wars Rebels. Why? Because cross-promotion is fun! You can check out Symphony in the Stars, a galactic spectacular, a fireworks show themed to the Star Wars themes of John Williams. You can watch Star Wars Path of the Jedi, a 10-minute highlight film covering the fall and rise of the Jedi, a movie which is criminally light on discussing Ugnaught labor relations on Cloud City, which is what we're really interested in hearing about, am I right? And finally, there's the aforementioned launch bay, which has since opened, allowing you to check out movie props, play games, and have meet and greets with Chewbacca and Kylo Ren. And you'd better smile big with Kylo or he will throw a tantrum like you have never seen. Even on a Walt Disney World vacation, that dude's got issues. The Geek Skewing Adventures with my son also took us to New York Comic Con in October 2015, and one of our objectives was to visit Artists Alley and track down one of the best all-ages comic book creative teams publishing today. And we've found them! Here's our chat with Franco and Art Baltazar, the dynamic duo also known as Aw oh Yeah Comics. 
A few years back, I decided that the time was right to make a comic book reader out of this kid right here. Uh, and so began the sometimes difficult uh, challenge of finding age-appropriate comics. Um, some of the first comics that I put in, in his hands were, uh, to introduce him to the medium, came from this collective of Aya oh yeah Comics. They're here right now, so I'm very happy to welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, the men of Aya oh yeah Comics. It's Art Baltazar and Franco. Fire the confetti cannons! Yes. Um, hi guys. Hi. hi, how are you, sir? Excellent. So, aside from your original material like Action Cat, you guys deal with a lot of licensed properties, Tiny Titans, Superman, Family Adventures. Um, how, how does that come about? How do you choose how that goes? Is that a situation where you get to, in, get, to get the ball rolling for that, or is this a situation where DC or Dark Horse or whoever says, you know, we're thinking we're doing an all-ages version of such and yeah. such character? It only happened once with Tiny Titans where I got a phone call and asking if I would like to work on a, a, a Tiny Titans. But ever everything since then, like Superman Family, and that was actual pitch that we pitched. We wanted to work on Superman after Tiny Titans ended. And the Hellboy one was another one where they came to us asking if we would do a Hellboy series. But we came up with the title, Itty Bitty Hellboy. Yeah, so that it's it's weird. We don't really pitch much. It's usually the company's coming up with ideas for us. That's that's pretty great. And there is something ridiculously sublime about calling something itty bitty Hellboy. <laughs> Ultimately, is just ridiculous and fantastic. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and clearly, you've got a pretty good relationship now with Dark Horse for sure because yeah. you've re-upped a few times with them now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Gonna, I think we're about to re-up again. Yeah, they're yeah. going to announce something tomorrow morning. I want to tell you now, but they got an exclusive. But they're really uh, open to our create-our-own projects. So they, they published Grimace Island, and then they're collecting, uh, oh yeah, comics into trade paperback form. Oh, with Action Cat and Adventure Bug and Awesome Bear. All those characters are in the trades. Right. So it's kind of fun. Speaking of Grimace... How did you get the idea for Grimace? Wow. <laughs> Original. Yeah, oh, Grimace came from our, our original series, The Grim Reaper. And in issue three of The Grim Reaper, um, they conjured up uh, Grimace, and he's actually the nephew of The Grim Reaper. And and um, he was around since maybe 2004, maybe. Was it around then, 2005, the character? And we had the story for him in the background, and, we're, and we changed his his uh, setting, and we put him on a tropical island. Um, and we had this story that we wanted to do, but then when we pitched to Dark Horse, hey, we got an idea, and they said yes. We were blown away because it was the first creator-owned project that another publisher's publishing that they don't own, that it, we, we get to keep it. <laughs> so. That was amazing to me. So he's like our breakout uh, star that our, our creator own, uh, like other publishers are publishing our work now. So that's like, that's a weird thing coming from a small press and self-publishing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, are there additional hoops that, that you've got to jump through when you're working with licensed properties? Like, are there lawyers saying, like, I know that we agreed to this and I know that it's a kid's book, but you can't have an empty refrigerator box being Hellboy's headquarters or something. Is, is that ever an issue with them, that you pitch something and they say, eh? Story-wise, not, not really. They're not very, very harsh about things like that. There have been a few things here and there where they said, uh, you, you really can't do that because there's this subtext or that meaning. Um, 
and, and it's really just for the betterment of you know they're they're looking out for their audience. So they're like, yeah, maybe this shouldn't go in a kids comic. But we've never really run into that many times. Maybe like once or twice um, where where we've had to kind of pull back. We've been told a number of times, well you're not allowed to use this character or that character and we put them in there anyway and then <laughs> we hinted in real late so they can't say no because it's too late so but we've gotten away with that a couple of times but yeah no nothing really major where they've ever said you can't do this or can't do that yeah we're pretty we're pretty good at self-editing our stuff yeah. so we we kind of know what we, we look at yeah we yeah. said if it's on tv or it's on cartoon network we could probably put that kind of sure. stuff in our book I, I got to imagine that some of that must come into into play with Superman Family Adventures, if for no other reason, because you had such a run, and so many insane characters and all the pets and whatever, like everything and the kitchen sink went into that, it seemingly. Yeah, that was great. That was a good time, man. That was the dream job for 12 months. All we thought about every day was Superman, so that was, un that was really cool. Uh, are there other licensed properties out there that you'd like to get your hands on or have tried to and been shut down? Like, is itty-bitty Terminator imminent? Is itty-bitty Star Wars ever going to happen? Uh, Star Wars, Spider-Man, Hulk, and Thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, those are I the want. big ones. Yeah, I want those at some point. <laughs> we've, we, and, and, yeah, and honestly, you know, we've come close to a couple of those yeah. a couple of times. But, uh, yeah, for one reason or another, they, they just didn't work out. But, uh, yeah, anything... Spider-Man, Hulk, um, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you're out there listening, yeah, call, call us. <laughs> All right, Lucasfilm, your move. Yeah, um, so, Franco, of course, right before this uh, interview, you were conducting a drawing class uh, for kids here at New York Comic Con, and the two of you are going to be out on a panel later on entitled Comics Are For Everyone. So right. clearly you two are evangelists for all-ages comics. That's, that's the Dark Horse panel, right? That's the Dark okay, Horse good. panel, right. <laughs> that's that's my understanding. I was like, Whoo. <laughs> I was like oh, what? no. Tell me about why I mean other than it probably because it appeals to you tell me tell me why that mission is so important to you guys to to reach all ages I think it's important because you know when when we were kids we found comics and they meant I, I don't know about art but I, I'm sure I speak for him too they meant the world to me I mean they, they were my world you know they they were my my escape from from uh, you know I grew up with not not a lot of free time you know not a lot of money and um, it was one of those things that I could afford and you know, that my parents were okay with, yeah. you know, me having, and, and uh, it would just fill my hours, you know, and, and I would build these worlds in my head. So we approach everything we do with that same sensibility. We open up comic shops that are kid-friendly. We, we make books that are, and I hate using the word kid-friendly because that's not really what we do. Sure. What we do is all ages. Yeah. And when I mean all ages, I mean, Everybody, grandparents, moms, dads, kids, everybody should be able to read our stuff. So, yeah, we get pigeonholed into that kids section a lot, but what we really do is all ages, and, yeah. and that's what we're we're always looking for. So, again, you come into our shops, you know, it's 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 family friendly. It's everybody can come in there, find something you want to read. Saga, Saga is definitely not for kids, but you want to read Saga, you're going to find it in our store. You want to read Tiny Titans, you're going to find that in our store. You're going to find a friendly environment. You know, you're going to read our books. Parents can be trusted that you can give our book to a kid. You don't even have to look through that book to give it to them, and you know that it'll be all right. Yeah. And, and I, th I think that means the world. I know that, that as a parent, I mean, as a fan and as a parent and spending decades with the hobby, when you go into a store that is open and friendly and, and welcoming to, to the short people in your lives, right, um, it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. And, and it's a place that you want to go back to. So, so let, let's talk about your retail empire yeah. for a second. So in addition to 
Oh yeah, games. There's three Oh yeah, comic stores. The latest is in Harrison. Congratulations, yeah, that's oh, new. Yeah. Um, tell me about the decision to open stores. At one point, did you go from the drawing board to, you know what we should do? <laughs> Brick and mortar, man. Wherever our friend Mark Hammond wants to live, we open a store. Is, is that wanted, how it goes? Yeah, so far. He wanted to live in Chicago, and he, he was a retailer in Florida, so he wanted to live in Chicago for a while, so we opened a store there. Now he wanted to live in New York, so we opened a store here. So we, I want him to move to San Diego so I don't have to get a hotel room for yeah, San Diego. Right. You know? I'm going to stay in the back room. Yeah, right. That seems to be the pattern so far. Wherever he wants to go, then we work. We try to figure out how to open up a shop there. That is excellent. And, and according to the website, if I'm doing my spy work correctly, yeah. um, you've got some amazing programs through some of the stores. There's, oh yeah, ladies' night. There's, oh, yoga. That's that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Um, that's adorable. <laughs> so so I like that in addition to these programs, you seem to be really pushing community in these places too. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what the store is all about is community. We want you to come in and hang out. And we want you to talk comics. We want you to sit in our stores and, and play games. We want you to read comics. We'd like you to buy them first and then, and then sit down and read them but you know we're not gonna we're not gonna shoo you out the door we yeah. we love everything about this business and people ask us you know why are you doing stores why are you doing this we love every part of this business and we want to be involved in every part of this business so yeah. we've worked for big companies we work we self-publish uh, we open up retail stores uh, and it's all about you know building that community and we want everybody to just come into our stores and, and say oh oh yeah comics I know what that's I know what that's about yeah and I'll feel comfortable there yeah tell me tell me quickly about the partnership and the workflow of how you guys work together uh, do you work closely uh, when you're sharing ideas what the split between writer artist because you both kind of do everything right or we're does that on, vary project Skype, for project we're on Skype all the time writing together so and sketching as we write so Normally we, we compare notes, we type it up, and then we just start making stories from what we all our notes. So working together is easy because I talk to them anyway. You know, yeah, right? It's like every night we're talking, sometimes for six hours. <laughs> and you know, we you know we we make it sound very flippant, like oh, it's easy. It, it is easy working with art, um, and it's easy working with the guys that we've kind of surrounded ourselves with. We've tried working with other people sometimes, and it's not not as easy. Yeah. Not, not to say that we didn't like it. Yeah. It's just that you know, it's just some sort of you know synergy that happens with us and, and the guys that we surround ourselves. Everybody's excited about doing comics, and like we'll come up with an idea, and we're like, oh, oh, I'll draw that one, or or you'll draw that one, and we'll do this, and you know, it just seems to work out, and, and they're funny. Um, so something cool is coming up. I, I'm, I don't get to blow that announcement. I'll let you guys do that in its own time. That's very exciting. Um, what uh, if fans want to reach out to you? What's the best place to do that online? The website, Twitter, Instagram. Where can where can they find you? Oh yeah, Comics has all our links, and my, I have artbaltazar.com has all other links. So. If you just Google our names, you'll find us. We got a bunch of uh, websites, Facebook pages, Twitters. I don't even know what, what the address is on there, but you'll find us on there. Oh, yeah. Comments.com and, and uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, it's all up there. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate it, guys. Oh, yeah, Have a great show. And uh, you're fools out there if you're listening to this and you're not reading the Oh Yeah comics. It is, it is delightful. First the meatloaf, then the world. Read on. You'll know what I'm talking about. Awesome. I like pink very much, Lois. <laughs> The super-secret project that Art Baltazar and Franco announced that day at New York Comic-Con was Itty Bitty Hellboy, The Search for the Were Jaguar. This miniseries is currently available monthly from Dark Horse Comics. It will be followed by their next series from Dark Horse, Action Cat. 
That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. We're now two episodes in, and I'd love to hear what you think about this sonic adventure. What do you like? What deserves to be nuked from orbit? Leave us a message at the social media channels, and you might even hear your name on the podcast. You'll be famous in the ears of tens of listeners. What are those social media channels? Well, thanks for asking, I'll tell you. You can like the 1.21 Geekwatts Facebook page where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Geekwatts, and come check out some pictures of my own geeky treasure trove at 1.21 underscore Geekwatts on Instagram. Seriously, thanks to all of you that listened to the first episode and shared a reply. On Instagram, Broadway's next hit musical said, This is awesome. Thanks, guys. Want to know a secret? I feel the same way about you. And on Twitter, Irene Carroll gave us a big huzzah. Love it. Literally. I mean, I clicked the little Twitter heart icon. Thanks, Irene. That's nice. Speaking of thanks, huge gratitude to sound magician, composer, and my co-producer, David Sisko. You are and remain the best, Sisko. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this free travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. You can follow, like, etc. all those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. You do that, and I promise to get you episode three as soon as possible. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome with our radtastic theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. 1.21 gigawatts, what every geek wants is what we got. From Doctor Who to Aqualad, we might think Luke and Leia's dead. Pop culture that is super rad, hosted by some guy named Brad. It'll rock you to your cyber nylon socks. 1.21 freaking gigawatts. Do you like pink? I like pink very much, Lois.